dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Sister Natalia. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. Good to be with you, Father Michael. You as well. Here in Los Angeles, still. still. <laughs> I guess it's good that we're just recording like one a day while we're here. Yeah. Why not? That's good. Get a few in the bag. And this one will come out, Steve. what, 2029? <laughs> just kidding. We have not been recording that many. <laughs> just, what, four now? Four, five, four? One, two, three. This is the fourth. We should just like record our normal conversations and tournament podcasts so we can have like 20. I'll just leave my phone on the table when we're like having a normal conversation. That seems dangerous. That's kind of, that's kind of what we used to do for Catholic stuff. We like, Father Nathan and I would be drinking up in the kitchen at night, like having a nightcap. We'd get just this kind of deep conversation. We'd be like, let's go record this. We'd go downstairs and just continue our conversation recording. I just realized... Catholic stuff you should know. We've now recorded four. This is the fourth, I think we just decided, since I've been here. Yeah. I don't think we've had a beer for any of them. That That's is That is weird sad. and kind of scandalous, yeah. I know. I just realized that this moment. Well, all of our evenings are kind of booked. That's true. Well, tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow will be evening-ish. We can have a drink tomorrow. My Rona is still like, I, I just know. don't feel like drinking beer. I know. I don't know. It's like. Well, you could have something else. What if that's like the one permanent side effect from all this is like Father Michael just doesn't feel like drinking beer that's ever again. That's horrible. That'd be really weird. Yeah. That's horrible. I mean, and, there are worse things in life. And I had coffee for the first time this morning in a week and a half, over a week and a half. Father Travis, so Father Travis is a huge coffee snob, right? And when he had COVID, it like for a long time, coffee just didn't really taste. Yeah. It had like this, um, I think he said it had this like weird bitter taste, but he was one of the ones who lost taste and smell. And so once he could taste coffee again, it had like this weird bitter taste. Um, coffee and whiskey, I think, which are like two of his favorite things. Um, well, I've been taking all these weird hippie medications that friends give me during yeah, Rona. That's true. And I think one of the side effects for one of them must be like a, just a metallic taste in my mouth. Zinc. That's the zinc. I'm not taking that much zinc though. Oh. I'm taking the silver stuff though. I think that's it. Like zinc it's totally literally like that. silver in a little dropper and supposedly like blue man, a friend's mind, like, you know, blue man group, you know, the musician group uh-huh. and they, they literally are imitating like people who used to take this to like before penicillin, uh-huh. people used to take silver as, you know, to try to yeah. have the same, you know, antimicrobial faculty, um, you know, effects. And, and so, so he like, don't take too much of this. So uh, I, I'm wondering if that's it, but I have not taken that much of that either. Like I haven't even been taking what I was supposed to be taking. I've taken less cause I was like, oh, that, that must be what it is. But I knew zinc did that, but I've only been taking, I've, I've literally been doing like just the little the um, cough drops. No, just the cough drop zinc. That's all I've been doing. Maybe, uh, maybe once the or cough twice drop a day. Zincs do that to me. Like really? coldies does but, that to me. It's like later on though. It's like, it's like, mm-hmm. as I'm falling, like, like I'll wake up in the morning like ha- having taken one 12 hours before or having, you know, used one trying to, and still like, nah, that's nasty. I had a dream about it one night of like this metallic just sense in my mouth. I had a dream last night that I tested positive for COVID. <laughs> because By the way, you just tested again today. It was negative, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I would have said something by this point if I it wasn't. Figured, yeah. I figured it was. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm like... Um, I must have like superwoman immune system. Um, but yeah, so I had to do a rapid test today in order to fly on Friday. I just think Jesus really loves you a lot. And he's like, oh, I don't want her to suffer. 
Yeah, that was nice. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but yeah, I took the, the rapid test again today. But last night, I think I, I knew that I was taking the one today. And so last night I had a dream that, um, that I tested positive for COVID. But we were on this, this huge farm. I don't know. It was a weird dream. There were, there were a lot of weird things about it. Um, this property is kind of like a huge farm compared to L.A. It is. It's kind of like a hippie commune, too, like being here with the Adams family and stuff. And yeah, it is. It's kind of like a little California farm in L.A. You were saying that these these girls have like the biggest property to play on. Um, Yeah. Other than like Will Smith's crazy kids. Like, I don't know any other family that has this much property just for a bunch of little girls to run around on in L.A., like in L.A. Yeah. Yeah, this is true. We Which appreciate cool. it. Thank you. Um, I think that's a good transition into my topic, um, which you don't know what it is, and I don't think I, nope. I don't think I even hinted at it in my prayer, but I can't remember. Do I kind of forgot guesses? to listen. Um, <laughs> I'm going to guess that it is. You have your journal out, your prayer journal. Uh-huh. So something you've been praying about recently. And if I was a good spiritual father, I'd know what you were praying about recently. Oh, we haven't met since I've been praying about this. Oh. Um, well, part of it we have. Something about, no, we've already done spiritual friendship. Um, uh, this is delightful. Poverty, chastity, obedience. <laughs> um, prayer, fasting, prayer, fasting, alms. giving the three. The things you, the things you had me praying with on retreat. <laughs> um, I don't know. Okay. Um, what I want to talk about is I want to share, I want to share um, three moments recently um, in which I I had some insight into relationship with God um, via encounters with children. Ah. Um, so that's You've by the Adams family. Okay, I've had a oh, lot of that. Oh, you said you were going to do a talk on this. I get um, it. Yep. Oh yeah, that's right. I did. Okay. So, so, so two of them I've shared with you. One of them, I don't think you've heard yet. Um, but Allie, Father Nathan's wife, how do you spell her name? A-L-I. Okay, good. That's how I've been spelling it. And then like in texting people, but then I thought maybe like, that's like Ali. And I was like, maybe uh, she spells it A-L-L-I-E or anyways. Um, so Allie was telling me this, this third story last night and it was so funny. Um, so I want to share that one as well. But um, to conclude, I want to share um, a poem that I wrote that was partly inspired by retreat and partly inspired by one of these stories with one of the kids. Nice. Um, yeah. So um, maybe you can, I, so I, I've prayed with like what I want to share, but I haven't necessarily made the connection. So maybe your color commentary can be making some connections or something. All right. um, so the first of these experiences was um, was this past Sunday, um, someone someone who comes to the Romanian liturgy. Um, he was here. With, he was here with one of his daughters, and he knew who I was. I didn't know who he was, um, but he knew who I was, so he knew my name. And so um, he's walking with his little girl, who's probably like maybe five, four or five. Um, and she's holding his hand. She's got this adorable dress on and she's holding his hand. Um, and he says, um, he says, this is my daughter. And he says, can you guess what her name is? And so I obviously know where this is going. And I said, is your name, is your name Natalia? And her eyes get so big because I just knew this. And, and I just said, 
Um, and she said, yes. And I said, my name is Natalia. I'm sister Natalia. And she just, just like sheer delight, sheer ecstasy to the extent that she, while holding her father's hand, she throws herself backwards. So she like goes back on her heels. Yeah. (laughs) Goes back on her heels, throws herself backwards, like head first to the cement. Um, and and her dad still holding her hand, just like hold her holds her hand tighter, um, catches her arm and then like lifts her up before she hits the ground. And I'm just like, and we're all watching this with astonishment. And even even the dad is like astonished. Um, he and I talked about it later because um, I told him I was like, I'm totally going to use this in a talk or something. Um, because the first thing I saw thought when I saw this is this is the kind of this is the kind of um, reckless abandon that we should have with God the Father. Like this is this is the absolute trust that we should have with the Father is um when we are in when we are in delight, when we are in fear, when we are in any of this, we can just throw ourselves backwards, totally confident that he's he's going to to protect us. Um and throwing ourselves backwards like in into his mercy, right? Not just like whatever. Anyways, um and um and as as I was talking with the the father about it later, um, you know, I was like, that was that was just really beautiful. Like she just had no doubt that that you weren't gonna let her hit the ground. Um, and he's like, yeah, I was really surprised too. She's not usually like that. <laughs> he said she's usually like very conservative and um, reserved. That's what I'm looking for. I'd love to hear an example of what that may look like practically, and I have one that I can lead off with. <laughs> Because I, I love I didn't, that. I didn't, I'd love to hear a practical example. I have one to share. Well, no, I, I don't want, I'd love to hear one from you. No, please share. Yours. I just, I didn't want to like ask you something that may take a bit of time to think about and then yeah, not have absolutely. something to fill the time okay. with. Okay. So I have this, I have this repeated um, thought, if you will, like while I'm, while I'm praying or thinking or driving or whatever, this repeated thought of um, if I, what Lord if Jesus I, Christ, son of God, have yeah, yeah. what if I really, really wanted something like an event. This has happened a lot in my life, right? There's something I'm really, really looking forward to. I've been looking forward to it for a long time and this is just gonna be just the, the, the joy of my, of my week, month, year, whatever. And all of a sudden on the way there, um, especially this is very like, of course, as a priest, on the way there, I, I, am in, I encounter someone in need and I have to, in the moment, like, would I be strong enough to say, I'm going to abandon this thing I really, really want to do for the sake of someone in need? Mm. Now, I think the day of my ordination, I've been like, yes, like, that's what it means to be a priest. I will abandon anything that, 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 was, that is going to be fun for me for the sake of anybody in need, no matter how small. You will be the Good Samaritan. Exactly. I, I would have been, I don't even know. I mean, I, 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 we don't know where the Samaritan was going. We do know sure. the priest and the Levite were probably going to the temple and they did not abandon yeah. that for the other one. But I get what you're saying, yes. Um, you wouldn't be the priest or the Levite. I would, right, I was whole, yeah. I, at the time. And nowadays I'm like, you know, sometimes like the smallest thing gets me through the week. Hmm. You know, I used to be seeing my nieces and nephews. That was one mm-hmm. of the big things. Like on every Sunday I saw all my nieces and nephews. Mm-hmm. Now that I've been moved here to LA, I don't have that anymore. Now I've found other things that I enjoy doing on the, uh, every week. Um, absolutely, but... Um, but I've also learned. I've also learned to to prepare my heart 
for those things don't come through because mm-hmm. that happened a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, especially back in Denver. And so there's there's like I look forward to something and then it comes through. But but would but those things were kind of outside of my control. Like they 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 were they were taken away or changed or I had to change my plans and it was outside of my control. This I could technically say, you know. You know, God's going to take care of them. He doesn't need me, and I'm going to go on with it. Like it's my decision to actually follow through or not. Um, but would I? Would I be the virtuous man? Would I be the holy priest and and not and give up on something? Like an, another way of seeing this might be, um, you know, if if I if I get a chance to be, I've been very blessed with this. But imagine if I had never met the Pope. I really want to meet the Pope. I want to get a blessing from him personally. And and all of a sudden, where I'm in the crowd and I see this little old lady just. Throwing elbows to get to the front, right? To to see the Pope, what would I be like? It's either her or I. I'm gonna let it be her. You mm. know, well, whatever. Think of somebody you really want to see, really want to meet. So, um, would I do that? And I think that's the that's the recklessness I see in it. Mm. Is just to be able to. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna kind of say. I know our Lord's going to give me happiness and joy. I know this is what he wants me to do is to not do this thing or see this person this, that I want to do in favor of serving another person. And I know that I'm, I'm going to be, not, not I, know, I know I'm going to be rewarded because I might not, but I know that even the freedom, this is like a prodigal son, even the freedom to do this is a reward in itself. Mm. The freedom to be able to to help someone in need rather than do something that would be fun is itself a gift from God mm-hmm. and is a gift I should thank God for. So anyway, I, I know in my head that that's a reward. I know that that's an even better reward than the event if that happens. But the, I think that's kind of a reckless, I'm, I'm no longer going to be in control of what makes me happy. If mm-hmm. I was in control, I'd do this thing because I know that's going to make me happy. I'm going to do something that does not make me happy. Therefore, I'm not in control, but I know somehow this is God is good that I'm going to be happy in a deeper way or in some way other than that. And that's kind of the recklessness of following God's will or of doing changing your mind last minute for the sake of something that you have no guarantees is going to make me happy um, for the sake of a greater good. Yeah, um, I guess I have I have a similar example I can give. Um, this is not just a theoretical, but something that happened to me um, when I when I was in college. Um, I just told this story the other night when I was hanging out with a with Libby and Cowboy and Claire, not Cowboy, sorry, Mark Mark Matthews, um, and we were talking about. Um, we were talking about like moral qualms in general. Um, Libby's a moral theologian. And so we're talking about moral qualms. And I was just remembering this story that I've forgotten about for years. Um, unless I remembered it recently and already told the story on the podcast and thought I'd forgotten about it for years. Anyways, sorry if you've already heard this story. Um, when I was in college, I, I got a position um, maybe as a second semester freshman or first semester sophomore. Um, as a, a research position in the metallurgy department. Um, I would have been a sophomore. Um, the meta what? Metallurgy, like materials and, and oh, metallurgy. Okay. Um, and Sounds like an allergy to metals. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, so I, I had this, this research position um, doing, um, doing I, I was just like a lab assistant, but doing things with um, some research with nitride nuclear fuels and... This is just like astonishing that I got this. Sorry, Rona. (laughs) You, I love you, um, Father Michael. Um, 
whatever. There are a lot of nerds who listen to this podcast and they've reached out and they Can appreciate you tell that. I'm, a- I'm just jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would hope by now. You okay. I'm only so, saying these things because I'm jealous. Go ahead. Okay. So, <laughs> so um, but to have this research position is like, this is completely ridiculous, right? Like I just, to have this research position as a sophomore, even just a lab assistant, like as an undergrad, this is incredible. And um, it's not my department. Um, but I just like met the right people. They liked me. They gave me this position. Um, the head of the department then wants me to do research with them. That's like really significant research. Um, and, um, like opportunity that you don't get until like probably late grad school. And, um, and the research that they were doing would have been like ultimately they were they were looking to increase the effectiveness of bombs by 110 percent, um, and and their goal was to use these things for like for mining or or things like that, right? But but obviously technology like that is very quickly going to be weaponized. Yeah. Um, and so I have this huge moral dilemma because because obviously in um, there's the obvious moral question of like, are, are people responsible for um, what comes of the technology that they help to develop, right? Um, this has been the question with the atomic bomb and all of these things. Um, and, and I'll be honest, like I didn't, um, it wasn't an easy decision for me. Like I would like to say, oh, I just said no because I don't want to do that and whatever. But I'm like going back and forth and trying to justify it and like maybe it is okay. And actually maybe that that would be okay for some people because I, I know that that's genuinely what they were wanting to do the research for. But I just like, all I could think of was my brother um, who um, who was injured by an IED in Iraq. And I'm like, I I could never even in an indirect way, like I, I could not handle being, being a part of that happening to somebody else's brother. Um, because it was just so traumatic for my family. Um, and so I said no to the position and it was a really difficult no, because, um, I, I was like, I'm never going to get this opportunity again. And it's ridiculous that it was given to me in the first place. Um, but I couldn't do it, and I said no. And I feel like that was me throwing myself backwards and holding on to the hand of God and just trusting that He's going to bring something greater. Um, and then the following semester, I was offered a research job in quantum physics, which was my actual <laughs> um, my actual department was the physics, the engineering physics department, um, and that ended up being like really fruitful and leading to beautiful things, and then leading to me. Um, like working in laser physics and things like that. So, um, yeah, that was an opportunity um, to do that. I feel like that's a, an yeah, example of absolutely. throwing like yourself it. back. Um, okay, so that's the first one. The second, do you have anything more about that mm-hmm. before I give the second one? Okay. Um, the second one is, actually, I'm going to swap the order because the third one is the one that um, I... I was an inspiration for the poem. So the third one, this is one you, I don't think you've heard yet. Um, so all the girls, all the Father Nathan and Allie's girls were outside playing a few days ago and, um, and their cousin was here. Um, their cousin's just like a little boy. He's like three, I think. Um, maybe yeah, four. Four, I think, yeah. Um, and so I've like, I was here for 
a week of retreat and then I was quarantined for here for two weeks. And so I, like, I've gotten to know <laughs> the Adams girls really well, mm-hmm. right? So like Abigail wanted me to brush her hair and um, Savannah gave me an eraser from her eraser collection. <laughs> um, she gave me my favorite one, which was very sweet. Um, Rosalind last night stole a piece of candy for me, which is kind of like a great act of love for yeah. her. <laughs> like if you know her, that's this like... <laughs> um, so anyways, um, Molly likes to follow me around and like kick me and laugh. And so anyways, <laughs> I've like gotten to, to know all of them um, pretty well. Um, and so they've all kind of like just like adopted me in some way, um, which has been beautiful. And Father Nathan and Allie have been like providing everything for us as you and I have been quarantined and like giving us breakfast and dinner every day and just mm-hmm. like super sweet. Um, so Allie, <laughs> this is so funny. Allie was telling me last night that um, when the girls, um, she, she heard them playing outside and she heard their cousin say, um, who is that lady who keeps talking to us? Like, who is that? And, and she said the girls were just like, that's our nun. <laughs> and, and and he's like um he's like but but like who is she what's what's a nun and and the girls are just like she lives in the rv and she prays and, <laughs> and, and um and and he's like but, but like what is she and 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 ali said that she could tell by their tone that they were just like so frustrated by him of like why are you asking these stupid questions and 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 they're just like She's our nun. She lives in the RV and she prays. That's what nuns do. And <laughs> um, and and but she said that like the attitude with which they were talking to him was just like like don't even worry about this. Like this yeah. is our nun. Just leave her alone. What do you? What's your? And he's just he just is kind of like oh okay sorry. And um like and um and then they they move on with life. And Allie and I are just cracking up about this. Um. But there is something, this one, I don't even, I don't even know how to articulate necessarily like what it was in this one that was um, just a beautiful witness to me, but it was something about like the simplicity um, with which they saw my role here. Like, Mm. it's just like, she lives in the RV and she prays because she's our nun. That's what she does. And it's just like, how could anyone not understand this? Mm. How could anyone not? Also, I don't know if they realize that like I'm leaving in two days. <laughs> You're so, kind of here forever in their mind. Yeah, I just live in the RV yeah. <laughs> and pray. <laughs> um, but it's like the simplicity with which like that's just not even weird to them at this point. Um, and and it's like we we can see things sometimes and and either not understand them and be frustrated by that lack of understanding or we can see things that actually are, are quite simple and we just overcomplicate them. Um, and I, I appreciated the simplicity with which and, and the loyalty with which they felt um, of just like defending this weird lady who yeah. keeps talking to them. Um, and, yeah. and just the, the acceptance of like, their parents are going to make sure they're safe. They're not actually just going to let anybody come here right. and live in an RV on right. the church property. Um, <laughs> and and there's they've accepted it as if my parents are okay with this, I'm okay with it. Yeah. You know, and it there there is something relating back to God. Mm-hmm. You know about about the the things that have become normal in our life. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we need to be on guard. We need to be responsible. We need to pray for wisdom. Um, but the, especially the things that are good, um, I think it's 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 good to kind of accept those as as being directly 
like a, a stamp of approval. What do you guys say in the convent? In the monastery, the uh, a, Jesus' particular love for you, or something. Like that. God's particular love. God's yeah. particular. We love stole for that, you. I think, from. We stole that from Father Patrick Anderson, who stole it from someone. I don't remember who. Maybe Father Boniface or something. But okay. yeah, God's particular love. Nice. Um, yeah, and and I just like that. There's also there's something about the Adams girls that's just like. They're. They're so, um, there's this great innocence in them, like this, um, it's, it's not, it's not naivete or something, but, um, but this innocence of like, they still, they still have this trust and this faith that's very beautiful to see. So it's like, um, like I have the temptation, um, and have always had the temptation of like, if someone that I, cause they, they love their cousin, right? Especially, mm-hmm. especially Abigail, just like, mm-hmm. this is her best friend ever. Um, and there's the temptation if like someone you love, someone who you care what they think, like if they disagree or if they think something's weird, you kind of want to jump on board and be like, yeah, it is pretty weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Oh, I see. Yeah. And, and they just like, there was none of that hmm. for these girls. They were just like, instead they were like, our parents have accepted this and we've accepted this. And so this is like, this is a good thing. Um, and there's something there too. So, um, okay. I want to jump to the third one. Um, and this was, this was my favorite one. So, um, I, and Allie, Allie told me that I could share this story too. So, um, there, (laughs) one of the girls, um, one of the girls comes into the house and she is just like sobbing uncontrollably and um she's like mommy my hand my hand I hurt my hand and and like Allie's looking at her hand and there's just nothing Mm. there's nothing and and she's like um no mommy there's something mommy it hurts it hurts and so this goes on for like five or ten minutes and then one of the other girls says oh mom she um she touched a bush Mm. a thorn bush and then we're like a thorn bush, and one of the other girls says, "No, it was a cactus." Uh, and and like, but you can't see anything yeah. in her hand. And so we sit her down on we sit her down on the chair in the living room, and Allie's holding her hand, and I have a flashlight on Allie's phone, and we're looking at it, and like you have to tilt her hand at the exact right angle, mm-hmm. and you can see like tiny, translucent little like probably probably a dozen um, little thorns. Um, not thorns. What do, I don't even know what they're called. Um, I know it. I know it. Yeah. Um, I know. I'll think of it in a second. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so she finds these. Needles? Maybe. Yeah. Cactus needles. needles yeah, yeah. 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 I think so. Needles. Um, and so she gets the tweezers and she's like, trying to get them out and the girl is freaking out she's like throwing her body back flailing sobbing and she's just like no mommy it hurts and then she'll like pull her hand away and be like mommy why are you hurting me um <laughs> sorry that and- wasn't a laugh I just, I just, still recovering <laughs> and yet trying to hold it in I'm recording a podcast <laughs> sometimes if you need to cough just cough as it's trying to hold it in when you're we're trying to record something. You make really weird noises. Le- <laughs> Lesson learned. Um, <laughs> that was a very, <laughs> that was a very weird noise. Um, 
I just, I don't think you can even edit it out because I was in the middle <laughs> of talking about this story. Um, so the, but she's like, and, and so this goes on for, I don't even know, maybe 15 minutes um, of this back and forth between um, an alley, just like patience of a saint. I have like rarely encountered patience but what to was this the back caliber. and forth? So uh, yeah, I'm 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 about oh, to say. Okay. So so Allie's sitting there and and um the girl will come and I don't want to say which one it was necessarily, but um she'll come and like hold out her hand and she's trusting Allie to take it out and and Allie's trying to take out the thorn, but you like you have to touch the hand to find it. And she's like, No, mommy, no, it hurts. And then she'll take her hand away and she'll run and like throw herself on the ground. And then she's like, mommy, get it out. And Allie's like, I have to touch it to do that. And she's like, no, mommy, get it out, but don't touch it. Um, and there's just like, and then finally, um, we just kind of wait it out and then she'll come back. And then, and, and like every two or three times we'll get like one more needle. Um, and, but there's like a dozen needles in there. And, um, and, <laughs> and the sweetest Allie and I just look at each other at this point and, um, and we just, both of our hearts melt. The sweetest moment of this is um, the little girl's in her lap and Allie's holding her hand. I'm holding the flashlight and, and she throws her head back and she says, mommy, mommy, don't give up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's just so sweet. And she's like, but mommy, you keep stinging me. Why are you stinging me, mommy? Why are you hurting me? Just, just get it out, mommy, but don't touch me. But mommy, don't give up. And it's just like, um, and it's just, and she so says- it was a back and forth between like, stop it, it hurts. And, yes. And like, and please, please get, get it, it out. out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this back and forth between, and, um, and, and this, yeah, it takes probably, yeah, 15 or 20 minutes to get, and, and I think we still didn't get all of them and she had to do it more later that night or something, but- um, But I realized, like I'm watching this and I'm like, this is just exactly what we do with the Lord. Um, when we when we tell him that we want him to like get rid of some sin in our life, get rid of some addiction in our life, get rid like this is what we do. We're like, Jesus, take it out. But like, I don't want any of the suffering that comes with it. I don't want any of the pain of you taking it out. Like just just take it out, but don't but don't like touch it. But just but just get it out, but don't touch it. Mm. Um, and it reminds me a lot of um, the lizard in the Great Divorce. Um, it was a long time ago. I read it, but go ahead. Oh, there's Talk the, story. this is the one who, um, I think the lizard is lust and he's like on the shoulder and, um, and the guy says, um, whoever his angel, whatever, I haven't read it in a while either, but he's like, do you want me to take that thing off? And he's like, yes, uh, take it off. And, and he's like, okay. And then he says like, well, I'm going to kill it. And he's like, well, don't kill it. You don't, you don't have to kill it. Just like, can't you just like take it off and and there's this whole back and forth between like the guy doesn't want to abandon um abandon this thing completely like it's too painful for him and he's told it will be painful Mm. um and he he doesn't want to go through that but he doesn't want to struggle with lust anymore um and um and it's it's a really it's a really beautiful part it's from um yeah great divorce um and the so so I'm just like this is what we do with our sin, um, and the way this connected for me to 
retreat and to prayer after retreat. Um, it was it was kind of like you know in the last podcast when we were talking about um, we were talking about not the last podcast sorry two podcasts ago my last episode we were talking about um, putting up obstacles for Jesus or for the Holy Spirit like um, getting getting in the way of ourselves, getting in the way of, of Jesus working in our hearts. And I realized one of the ways that I do this, um, that became very obvious for me on retreat and in the time after, um, is this, like, I, I have these attachments and these dependencies that I don't realize are there because I'm, I'm able to trick myself into thinking that they're not, um, so, so it's like, I, um, I might be attached to something. The specific example that I'm thinking of is, um, I won't give the details of it, but it's like, I thought that I was detached because I could at any point choose to not have it and I was okay. But then when that thing was like, by some other circumstance, it was taken away and it wasn't my choice. I wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm like, oh, maybe I'm not detached. Maybe I'm only detached when like I have, I have say in the matter. Yeah. Um, and like when I'm in control, then I'm detached. Um, and um, sort of like what you were talking about with, um, with like the nieces and nephews. And, but, but anyway, so... Um, so what came to me, like the line that kept coming to me in prayer, I haven't shared this with you yet, um, but the line that kept coming to me in prayer after retreat, um, so like the last like five or six days, this line has just kept coming back to me in prayer is um, sometimes we don't know our leg is broken until the crutch is kicked out from under us. And so it's like, I had this dependency that I yeah. didn't even realize yeah. because I had the crutch. But then when the crutch is kicked out and we realize our, our leg is broken, it is so painful, but we needed that pain because we need Jesus to come in and heal it. Um, but we don't, we don't want him to, to come in and heal it in a painful way. We want him to just take it away. Um, and, and part of this is just like, this is the consequence of sin, right? Is, is like, Jesus will always forgive us. He will always heal us, but there are ramifications of our sin. And, and part of that is like, we have to sometimes go through the, the pain and the suffering of the thing being taken away. Um, so are you okay if, if I share the poem yeah. and then you comment? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Sure. Um, so the, the poem was written in part inspired by um, this, um, this line that I just shared that's been coming to me in prayer. And then in part from, this, um, this situation with, with Allie and the little girl. And I called it painful mercy. <clears throat> Sometimes we don't realize every bone in our leg is shattered until in your mercy, you kick out our crutch. But your mercy feels like punishment of great proportions as we writhe and cry out in pain. But the broken bones need healing and have needed it all along, despite our feigned health. This mercy is the kind of a mother pulling out splinters as the little one cries, it hurts. Why do you keep going, touching these painful places? It stings so much, do you even care? 
Yet in rare moments, when I've my wits about me, I can say through tears, please don't give up. And, and this, this ultimately ends up being what happens, spoiler alert, if you haven't read The Great Divorce, this is what happens with the man with the lizard is, is finally like the angel or who, it wasn't an angel. I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was an angel. Finally, he just says, I just need your permission. And, and the man just kind of, in my recollection, he just kind of looks away and says, do it, just do it. Um, and, and that's the point that we need to get to sometimes as we're asking the Lord for healing and for, for like, we're asking him to take out these splinters. We just have to just say, just do it. And, and I know that it hurts and, and I know that it's gonna hurt, but I also know that ultimately it's going to be better because this is for my good. This is for my healing. This is for my theosis, um, all of that. Yeah. It was, there's a couple parts in the divine liturgy that I'm thinking of, and I'm, I probably shouldn't even say this because I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm going to come up with them right now, but it'll next tonight when we do divine liturgy, I'll think of it again. But there's a couple places in the divine liturgy where, where we, we kind of ask for that exact thing. Um, you know, we're, we're asking, I, I, I thought of like Psalm 51, that you would be justified when you give sentence to be able, mm. to, be able to approach me, judge, or seeing guilt that was born. You know, so there, there's, um, there, there's a- Psalm 50. Yes, well, if our listeners pull out the Bible, it's probably Psalm 51. Um, but the, uh, so there's a, anyway, there's a, the just thing is to say, you know, anybody who's a rightful judge like God, as if he, he doesn't obviously need our affirming of his judgment, but, the, but there's a, if there's anybody who's a rightful judge and they, and we want them to, to actually, like give justice, maybe even give a give a, a consequence mm-hmm. um, that that we need to live through. You know, to to say you here, you need to know all the information. This happened in my parish, where um, back in Denver, where somebody had done something um, that that you could find on Google, right? Something in their past, and somebody somebody found it on Google, and when they presented it to me because they thought it was actually going to uh, impact my leadership of this person. Um, then they, I went to the person and brought it up, and they said, "Oh, yeah, that's true." But there's actually even more than they found, and like they shared with me even more, mm. you know, um, issues that had happened in the past. And it, and I, I thought it was so beautiful for because they could have just hidden the rest. They could have just said, "You know, right. he'll, he'll look it up if he wants to. He'll find all the information if he wants to." But they were like, "No, if I mean, if you if you think it's important to know this to guide our souls, then let me give you all the information so that you're not caught off guard. So right. I'm actually sharing this with you so that you can better lead." Um, but yeah, I, I kind of I, I know there's multiple interpretations that might not even be the correct one of Psalm 51. But I think there there is there is a sense of the the admitting of guilt, which is what Psalm 51 is all about, or 50 if you're reading the Septuagint, right? Uh, there's something about um, the admitting of guilt mm-hmm. in front of an all loving judge who's going to forgive, you know. Um, but there's there's also parts of divine liturgy that kind of have that, you know, don't get weary, Lord. You know, it, it makes me think of someone who's in a relationship with someone who who acts crazy every once in a while. You know, like don't don't be like don't. You know, I I know this is probably hard. You know, I know that because I'm in and out of jobs or I I you know have a mental disorder or whatever. Like whatever it may be, I I don't, I'm not myself sometimes. And thank you for 
thank you for respecting me, respectare, like looking again. Thank you for, for kind of bearing with me and please do not get wearied by, by the fact that I am kind of two different people. Mm-hmm. All, every, every person is. We all, we all have our pious side and our sinful side. And so it is kind of a good thing to say, like, Lord, there's gonna be a lot of back and forth in my life coming up here. Um, please don't, don't get weary as if he would, but you know, um, don't get weary, don't give up. I like that a lot. With your, with your, your continuing to kind of fight through my blocks that I put up mm-hmm. um, in, in your healing of me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's just like, it's like every, 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 um, and I think, I think the, the broken bone analogy is, is a good one too. I'm only thinking of this now, but um, when I was saying that, like, we don't know until he and his mercy kicks the crutch out or, or something else kicks the crutch out and then the Lord uses it. Um, but until he kicks the crutch out, we often just don't even know that our leg is broken. And, and the, the other reason I'm realizing now that I like the broken bone analogy is because like to, to have your, your bones like reset is a painful process. Um, but I don't think anyone would argue that it's better to not reset it, you know? Um, And yeah, so I I see this. So it was, it was significant for me because like there was something, obviously what I shared was that like, there's something beautiful to me about this girl's response. Um, Her like, mommy, it hurts. Don't touch it. Please stop. And then like, mommy, don't give up. Just get it out. Um, There's something beautiful in that, but there's also something obviously so beautiful about Allie's response of just like, I never saw her lose her patience in all Mm. of it. And maybe she would have if I wasn't there, you know, maybe that's part of it. Um, But it's just like, she had, like I said, the patience of a saint. Mm. And, and I experienced that, you know, I've experienced this a lot in my relationship with Laura um, in, in Denver, because Mm. she just like, you know, we've been best friends for, gosh, I don't know, um, 14 years or something like that. And, and she just, um, she like, she has such patience with me in our friendship. Um, and, and, and I with her as well at points. Um, but she just like is always willing to put up with my crazy and always willing to, um, to, to have that patience with me and always willing to wait things out. And um, so I've seen this, I see this a lot in my relationship with you in spiritual direction. Like I even tell you in direction sometimes, like it's really hard for me to bring this to you again. I know that I'm doing the same thing again. I know that like, hmm. um, and there are these like moments of experiencing this in our human relationships, but um it's like, just think of how magnified that is with God the Father. Mm-hmm. Think about how much more patience he has, how much more mercy he has, um, so on and so forth. Yeah. And that, that is an important balance too, because I think as, when you're a priest a while and you hear confessions all the time, you get, you get so used to people confessing the same things over and over and over again, um, that you, uh, that, uh, that you, you just learn especially if you've been convicted because you've messed up once or twice, like you, you, or you, you've gotten, you've gotten either visibly or, or, you know, you sound frustrated by someone because they're bringing the same thing over and over and over again. You know, that's, there's really not a place for that in confession. You know, that you're, you're not being very Christ-like if, if that's how you're acting, but 
there is something I think on the part of the penitent where we can go to our spiritual father or to our, our confessor and say, I know I'm bringing this up to you again. Here's, here's why I failed again. Hmm. And here's what I'm going to try to do next time or I didn't do this time. Um, and again, I know there, there are different kinds of people in the world and some people when they bring the same thing about over and over and over again, they, that, that they're just like God's guiding them very, very slowly. And hmm. the, the confessor just needs to be patient and needs to say, like I, I'm just going to give you a simple penance again, and and you know our Lord is working in your heart, and and He will change you in His time. Um, but I think on the part of the penitent, if you if you're the type that says, you know I I need something to change, you know I know our Lord's working in my heart, I know He is, I trust He is, but but here's here's what I'm doing, or here's what I know I need to do, but I was not, you know, in a sense being able to admit here here's here's my sin. Um, Here's my sin, and here is why. Uh, here's why it has not gotten better. You know, mm. I, I just think that there's, I don't know, maybe that, I know this is a whole other topic, but I I think that 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 we, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how to put this right, but we are we are too sensitive nowadays. Mm. I really think we are, and I I include myself in this. Um, but but there's something about. And I, I also though think that that a priest should not call out someone in confession unless he knows them and unless mm. they know him and unless yeah. they know that he loves them. Um, because if you if you're just on the other side of a screen like a Roman Catholic church and and you know the person says, Oh, I bring this up every time, Father, you know, and, mm-hmm. and just like your first time in confession or something like that, oh I bring this up every time, Father, and you go and you say, like, well then stop doing it. Like like, you know, man up or woman up or whatever like that's not helpful you know mm-hmm. that's not going to be but if you know the person after a while and you can say you know what can what can we work on i've done this i've done this before where i'll say can you help me give you a penance that's going to yeah. be you know effective can you help me give you a penance that's going to going to actually kind of force you through your own decision you mm-hmm. know i'm not i'm not forcing you you i'm at, that's why i'm asking you to help me give you a penance but help me give you a penance that that that's going to actually be helpful towards growth in this way um, you know, especially if there is an admission or an experience where you can say, you know, by the way, like in confession, you never would bring these things out up, outside out, up, right. outside of confession. But in a second or third or fourth or two hundredth confession, you know, you can say if the penitent allows it, like this has happened many times. I brought you to confession many times. And you can actually discuss that process in, within the, the sacrament, within the, the bounds of confession. Yeah, um, and I think that that's also. Um, why I think whenever possible, it's really good for your spiritual father to be your confessor. Um, because, and, and that's not possible for me right now, obviously. Um, I should probably go to confession with you. Oh, I did. Okay. Um, the, <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, it's obviously not possible for me right now because I live in Ohio, you live in California. Um, and so we have spiritual direction over Skype, but you can't do confession over Skype. Um, but it's it's helpful because when when we were in the same place and you were spiritual father and confessor to me, there would be times in confession that you would say, um, like something would come up and you would say, if you're comfortable, I would like you to bring this up in direction. Yeah. Like you would never bring something up from confession outside of direction. Right. Um, but but it's 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 good to be able to like. Yeah, that's just really that's really helpful. So when possible, it's it's great if your spiritual father is your confessor. Um, I, I, yeah, I also think that that's for that's for people that are more mature in the faith and understanding of the power of confession. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with those with with saying, 
Like I, I go to confession of my spiritual director, but sometimes out of weakness, I don't. I go mm. to somebody else. Like mm-hmm. in other words, I out of either my own ignorance of the power of confession or either even if you don't really, I mean, I don't know why you go to a spiritual director you don't trust, but like, you know, there there's there's times where I have had I've had priests that I go to confession to bring things up that I said in confession outside of confession. Mm. Like they just said it. Now not not to a group, but to me. Like they'll just Wait, I I don't understand what you just said. I go to a priest for confession. Uh And then in conversation later on that day, he'll just bring it up. Yeah. He'll bring up what you said in confession? Yeah. He can't do that. I know. (laughs) Well, he can if it's not the sin. Breaking the seal is connecting the penitent with the sin. If he brings up something from your confession that's not related to the sin you confessed, then it's allowed, technically. Yes, technically in canon law, um, like mo- you probably most, shouldn't do mo- that. Right. Just most priests would say even... you need to put up a mass, yeah. massive buffer zone, but it, but in Canada law, but I I think it's like there there's priests have brought up things in questionable circumstances. Oh man, outside they're they're like tied to what I actually confessed as a sin. So you won't go to them because of... no, I will. I mean, oh. I will because it's it's I, I've never been hurt by it. I've okay. never been offended by. It. I've never I've never thought. I just think it's something that that they I I know they do it accidentally. They would uh-huh. not have done it. And and they they would not even bring it up if they didn't think that I would. This is something I talked to them about outside of confession as well, you right. know. So I totally trust them, but that that has happened before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that but I do think that if there was a priest that did that frequently, mm-hmm. and like I don't I don't think they're doing it maliciously. I just think they they it slips up it slips out of confession later on. I I might not go to confession to that priest if there was something that really had to be in the seal Got it. for yeah. the sake of my ministry or something like that, <clears throat> yeah. you know? And so I, I think that if, if I chose that man to be my spiritual father, because I liked him as a spiritual father, and I think he'd be a great spiritual father, there still might be times I don't go to confession to him just because, yeah, that because of that sense. human weakness. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it, it's just a, it's a human weakness thing. Um, so I, I do think though that, that there are reasons why not to do that. But the same thing happens, like, you know, Father Nathan and I have talked about this here, that there's something about, we you know we work together very closely and and we we minister together we serve this parish together, um, so we'll go to confession with each other for things that are like if we're just in normal confession like yeah. a normal regular confession. But um, I forget you know Father Nathan even brought up something one time you know if if I had a, if I had a son bring up something in confession involved this like maybe another parishioner mm-hmm. or something like this or a conversation that was. A conversation that I could probably figure out who he's talking about if he doesn't name them because we were taking care of the same people, the same souls. Um, so if that if that's the case, then then I, he wouldn't go to confession to me if yeah. if that was the case, um, and I wouldn't go to him if it was something similar, um, you know. And that that's just thank God we do because if we are the only only two priests in Siberia, <laughs> then of course we would. Right. You know, it, that that that's much more important than, than these kind of human prudential things. But I forget yeah. how we got on this this part of the conversation. Um, we were talking about saying in confession that um, it's hard because you know that um, this is a repeated thing. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And I was saying and that God it's is, helpful yeah, don't give for that reason. Me. Yeah. yeah to, so yeah, anyway. I just I and I, I only say these things, dear audience, because it is, and I'm mostly talking about social media here or like big talks that I've heard. But it, it, it's so often that that. I think the church, we have to be very, very careful about hearing from the church things that are very black and white. And we live in a very black and white the church culture. I mean, you're going to hear 
social media, you have people like I, I have unfriended people recently on Facebook and I've mm-hmm. stopped following people just because they're so predictable. Like I like people that are so predictable on social media and I'm like, oh, here here's something happening in the world. I know exactly what you're gonna say mm-hmm. because you're so predictable. Like, especially politically, mm-hmm. I know exactly what you're gonna say. You know, like just to take a stereotypical example, there's a mass shooting. And I know these people are gonna say within an hour that that this means that we need to restrict guns. I know another group's going to say this means we need to carry more guns. Yeah. You know, I I know it. So it's, so sometimes I just like roll my eyes and will unfollow some of that I don't know personally because of that. Um, I do think that there's I'm I'm you know when we hear something in the church, and I, I'm you know I'm I'm hearing a lot of of when you go to confession. I know I'm going to get flack for this. Um, when you go to confession, you know the the the, the confessions are not a, not a place to be convicting. You know, but I truly believe that confession is the only time most Catholics get something that's like spiritual direction. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's another big debate: should confession be spiritual direction? How quick should it be? You know, in the Roman Catholic world, many people just believe you should walk in, state your sins, mm-hmm. you know, uh, quality and quantity, and then get out. You know, and I, that that's very that's that's you can do that in the Roman Catholic like way of confession, you really can't do that in the Byzantine one because it's more about, the Byzantine emphasizes more the, the like you're going to your doctor and you don't right. just like yell out your symptoms to the doctor, you know, a, a conversation is necessary. But well, that's, that's why I feel like it's, it's a good place for conviction because like you're going to the doctor, like oh, it's, no, no. it's not that's, good to, exactly what I'm to saying. go to the doctor. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing yeah. with you. Like, I don't think it's good to go to the doctor and like, you don't want him to, to sugarcoat or pretend like you don't have cancer. Like yeah. you want him to say like you have cancer, this is how we're treating it. Like, like in confession, we should be convicted with love and with hope. Yeah. And and with healing, <laughs> and I, know, I would even say, and always need to be accompanied by an encouragement. Yeah, like you, I think we should always walk out of confession joyful, like mm-hmm. not happy, mm-hmm. not not like surface happy, but joyful, saying, um, "I my guilt has been maybe pointed out to me even in a way that I did not expect." But as you mentioned, I think in the last podcast, that should be a hopeful thing, like seeing where I've gone wrong and seeing what things I can control. Right. about my sin, what I can purge, what I can, you know, have this experience of catharsis and the, and the self-emptying and the, and the, the, the purging of my passions, the, the renunciation of the world, you know, step one in John, St. John Climacus's Ladder of Divine Ascent. Like we should walk convicted, but, it, but encouraged and those two yeah. things together. So I think, I think when someone does, if I go to confession for the same thing over and over and over again, I definitely want at some point my confessor to say, what are what are you gonna do? I'm gonna pray for you, but what are you gonna do differently? You know, what 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 are you gonna do to to try to just change things up even just a little bit? You know, I, yeah. I think it would be he, he'd be neglected now unless I am unless he knows that I am just so filled with with self hatred or shame that that I like God is gonna work in His own way to get me out of that. Um, but I, I think there needs to, I think there, there needs to be a bit of conviction again, as long as it's filled with encouragement and accompaniment in prayer. Mm-hmm. I, I love saying that. I think a priest said it to me one time, I, I'm guessing, because I'll say that now all the time, like I'll pray for that. And I'll just, you know, not outside of, you know, I don't want to think about this, that I can better, but I'll pray for that right in that moment mm-hmm. or while they're doing their um, Jesus prayer or act of contrition, I'll just pray for them, you know, in that moment, just to say like, I, I am I am praying for you in this too. I, I want to accompany you in this growth as well. But yeah, there there should be some, depending on the personality and, and how, how much they can handle, there should be some conviction 
um, to some extent within confession, as well as encouragement and and just the objective mercy that comes directly from Jesus Christ in that in that holy sacrament. Yeah. All right, I'm ready to wrap up. Do you have right. anything else before I? Nope. Okay. Um, yeah, prayer intentions. Um, I'm gonna ask that you pray for. Um, pray for all of your fellow listeners to the podcast um, that and yourself that you and they may have the grace to, to grow in childlike faith um, and, and maybe even ask the Lord to give you at some point this week um, a lesson from a child, whether it be remembering remembering something from your own childhood in which you actually um, were a witness to the love of God or, or remembering one of your children or, or something happens this week um, that you see that's an inspiration. But um, yeah, just maybe um, be attentive to that this week and, and pray for yourself and for your fellow listeners. Um, and I'll be praying for you as well for the same thing. Amen. Mind speaking of children, my little nephew fell out of a tree and broke both of his wrists. Mm-hmm. And I just got a text on the family thread saying it's not healing as well oh. as they had hoped. So I don't know what that means, probably surgery. Um, but I, I had not read the whole, the whole thread yet, so I'm not, I'm not quite sure. But I just, just before the recording, I kind of popped it open. I saw Christopher say it's just not healing. Oh. It's not resetting as much as it should. So please okay. pray for my little nephew, Luke. Um, Lukey. That he is... Uh, that I, I saw the x-rays. They sent that on the family thread too. It, it's, it looks horrible. But yeah, poor kid has both of his arms and casts um, right now. And, you know, his, his people are feeding him and God bless him. He's, thank God he's got four loving siblings that are taking care of him, I'm sure, but, and two loving parents. But, um, but yeah, just pray for him that, that whatever, uh, that his arms heal ASAP <laughs> so he can get back to being a kid. Yeah, amen. All right. All right. Um, and pray for... St- Steve and Melissa Davies. They should be having they a baby sh- when this comes out. Yeah. yeah. They might even have their baby when this comes out. Yeah. Our, our editor and his wife and their, they have Absolutely. one little girl and then now they're awaiting a second child. Yeah. Amen. All right. Um, Father, give the blessing. Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. Have mercy on you. May our Lord give you the witness of children, especially um, those who are good reflections of their dependence upon God, their poverty of spirit, their uh, vulnerability before God and the world, but that they depend upon those who take care of them physically and mentally and bodily in this world, but also um, through their experience and through their engagement with their parents, um, they also reflect the relationship we should have with God. May our Lord always help you to be poor in spirit in that way, to be needy like a child, to be um, in obvious dependence upon God's daily and moment grace, every moment grace. And may you respond to God's promptings in whatever way you can. And may you always seek um, the grace that God offers willingly. And may you be empowered to offer that grace to others as well through prayer and through sacrifice. May our Lord bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Love you, Padre. I love you too. Love you, listeners. God bless y'all.